Hi, I'm Malia Warner, and this is The Power Podcast. Have you noticed how our world runs on power? We need power to light our houses and run our appliances, power to move our cars, power to make decisions. When you feel blocked, stuck, or confused about how to move forward in life, what you need is power. Power to see clarity through confusion, power to break through roadblocks, and power to quit spinning your tires in the ruts of old habits in order to move forward to being the best version of you. The Power Podcast is here to give you power to change, power to see, and power to move forward. So welcome, I'm your host, Malia Warner, and today is episode 88, Abortion, Law, Empathy, and Agency. Hi friends, and welcome to introduce today's topic. And you already know, you've seen the title, abortion is in the title, and you've clicked and are listening. I think that's already huge that you saw the word abortion, which brings up a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, and rather than clicking off of it and going to something else, you're here. So acknowledge that. I think that's very remarkable. Last episode, I only finished one point of why I don't vote based on abortion. And I didn't know if I would finish the second half of that this week or not. Um, This point is actually far more personal than political. And so again, several times I've decided to put the rest of the script away and move on to a different topic. And each time I have, I'm reminded of the importance of discomfort. I have the thought come into mind, what if it is okay? What if it is okay to go there? What if it's okay to feel uncomfortable talking and sharing these personal feelings? And what if it's okay for listeners to feel a little uncomfortable? What if it's okay for us to just sit in that discomfort for a minute and see what comes from it? I really believe, I feel that we are at a time in the world and that we are a generation of people meant to have difficult discussions. And so a lot of this is me verbalizing and formalizing and just trying to process my thoughts and feelings about abortion in a way that I've never done before and especially have never shared with anyone before. And let me be very clear that this is not coming from I'm right, this is the way that it is, and everyone should think this way. Not at all. I am here today simply and openly sharing some of the thoughts, some of the dilemmas, some of the complexities that I feel when I hear about and think about the issue of abortion And perhaps some of you have experienced these same complexities, and perhaps for you it's not complex at all. It's a very straightforward issue. And that's okay. I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. I think that we all have to process and come to terms with our own feelings about things. So let me state right off the bat here, and the reason that this is even a discussion at all is when people ask, people in the world ask the question, and which makes me ask myself the question, am I pro-life or pro-choice? And it's always presented that way. Are you one or are you the other? My answer is yes and yes. And that's a bit of a conundrum for me. I feel that I am pro-life and I am also pro-choice. 
And somehow in our world, it seems that you're not allowed to be that, to be pro-life and pro-choice, but you have to choose one camp or the other. And nothing about that feels right to me. Whether it is a gift or a curse, for whatever reason, I am able to understand both sides of the issue. And I feel compassion and belief and support even for both sides of the issue. Some people might call that spineless. Go ahead if you want to. But what if that is just my attempt at practicing empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another? So when it comes to the issue of abortion, I feel very pro-life and also I feel very pro-choice, which leads me to feel that abortion is not something that the government should make illegal. Now, along with saying that, I do feel that regulations about abortion made by government, federal, state, and even policies made by hospitals are healthy, safe, and appropriate. So I guess if I had to summarize it, where I sit right now on the issue is that I do not believe the government should make abortion illegal. I do believe in some government and medical regulation about abortion procedures. Make sense? Still with me? I just want to give some examples and talk through my thought processes and things that lead me to feel and think this way. So I think my number one issue about government making abortion illegal across the board, meaning that a woman could be prosecuted for having an abortion and any doctor that performs the abortion could also be prosecuted because the act would be illegal. My feeling about that is the ramifications of illegalized abortion fall most heavily on the young, low-income, less educated, working minority women. These tend to be the women who can't afford lawyers to fight cases of rape and domestic abuse. These are the women who are largely uneducated about personal rights. These are often girls who have grown up in an environment where they're very much programmed to believe that they are property, that they are not autonomous, that they aren't allowed to speak up for themselves or to have autonomy and control over their own bodies and their own lives. I just recently saw an interview with the singer Tina Turner, who just retired at age 73. She's been working and touring into the later years of her life because she really wanted to get all of her financial affairs in order to take care of her sons. And she shared a little bit about the first time that Ike Turner hit her. And it was something over she had questioned because she had composed a song and recorded it. And he changed her name. He was the one that changed her name to Tina Turner so that she didn't have ownership over that song because she wasn't Tina Turner. She was someone else. And so she could never more in the future claim ownership of that song. And she describes how he pulled out a shoehorn and began to beat her until she was bleeding from the head. And then he forced her to bed. And then from that point on, continued to abuse her over and over. 
And at that point, she was already mother to a son from another band member. And she was basically property of this band. And so her life goes on and she actually ended up adopting, I believe, two or three of Ike's sons from other relationships. And she took on mothering them. And he eventually died from an overdose of cocaine. Hearing her interview and especially feeling her emotion as she talked about these past events reiterated for me how many women exist in extremely complex situations where having the ability, the power, the resources to speak up for yourself, to defend yourself, to be autonomous over your own life, that is not the case for every woman. And I don't know how many of you are like me or if you can relate to this, but for me growing up, when I heard the term abortion, what came to mind was a woman who had made a mistake, had slipped up, hadn't been true to her moral values and let herself be, you know, taken over by passion and gotten pregnant and then wouldn't own up to the accountability of it. There, so I had that image or my other image was a woman who, you know, somehow had gotten pregnant, who had changed her mind about it or was really selfish because it wasn't working out for her career or she didn't want to ruin her body. I very much had those images. And so with those images in mind, then I felt like illegal abortion was absolutely justified, you know, buck up woman. These, these were your consequences, your decisions. And so, no, you shouldn't just be able to terminate that pregnancy so my perspective was always very much projecting a girl, a woman who should have known better and who just wanted a cop out to get out of a sticky situation. Now that I'm a little older, more experienced and realize there are so many people who have different life circumstances than I do, I think more about the other scenarios. What if this is a minority woman who is in an abusive relationship and she already has a herd of children, she's the sole breadwinner working at the local factory, she gets beat regularly anytime, day or night, she gets raped continually and also still gets up and goes to work and tries to get some food for her existing children, and then she finds herself pregnant Adoption is not a possibility because her husband would never allow it. She's nearly died from her previous pregnancies. Her existing children already have physical developmental issues from the beatings during the pregnancy and from their unsafe home environment. And I think, what about this woman for whom adoption is not a possibility and for whom another pregnancy could mean her death, which would leave her existing children where, in what situation? Then I think, what about the teenage girl who's raped by a neighborhood boy? And her mother was a teenage mother, and so was her grandmother, and she finds herself at 14, 15, 16 years old, pregnant. Her mother works and can't afford childcare for the new baby. And so the girl would have to drop out of school to care for her baby. She couldn't afford lawyers or the adoption process. She wouldn't even know how to contact a lawyer. 
And even if she had the presence of mind to be able to find and travel to whatever Planned Parenthood or local resources are available for a girl in her situation, and let's say she were willing to work for adoption, what if the father had some genetic chemical issues, or maybe she has some genetic issues that have been passed down in her family, and so what if she's willing to carry the baby to full term and go through the adoption process? Then we're met with the stark reality that the lines of couples waiting to adopt minority children with physical and emotional health defects is not that long. And what happens to this baby ending up in then a foster care system or who knows whatever kind of situation? More likely than not, this girl will have the baby, she will have to drop out of school to care for the baby, and she will continue the cycle of another generation without education and dependent on welfare. And when I try to open my mind and think through and see with empathy the ramifications of illegalizing abortion, I can see the perpetuation of poverty cycles. I can see daughters who must stay home from school either to help with their own babies or to help with the siblings that their mothers continue to birth. They continue to be uneducated, to have low confidence, to suffer from a lack of personal ownership and autonomy and a right to speak for themselves. There's a lack of ability to protect themselves from domestic violence. Sons can fall into a chain of absentee fathers. And daughters fall into a cycle of low-educated mothers stuck in the system. They are women who continue to be raped and abused because they don't have money to hire lawyers to fight defense cases for their protection. When we think about Roe versus Wade, and we think about what do I feel, what would I vote for? Would I vote to have legal abortion or would I vote to have illegal abortion? What do we tend to think about? Do we tend first to think of a woman who chose to have sex and who ended up with an unplanned, unintended pregnancy? And do we think, well, they should live with the consequences? And I have to ask myself this question. Would making abortion illegal in the United States actually end abortion? And the answer is no. Abortion would still happen. Women with options, resources, and money, either their own or provided by their partner who also doesn't want a child or a pregnancy or to go through an adoption proceeding, will pay to travel to other countries where abortion is legal. And there they will have a legal, sterile, safe procedure, return to the United States, and proceed with life as usual. Because here is the bottom line. Here is the truth. Let's say that the Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade and that abortion became illegal in the United States of America. There are no abortion clinics. There's no Planned Parenthood. Guess what will happen? People will continue to have sex. I can pretty much guarantee it. Could pretty much bet my Nicolas Cage fan collection on the fact that people will continue to have sex. High-profile people will have sex. Religious people will have sex. High-profile religious people will have sex. Political people will have affairs. And whenever there is sex, there are unplanned pregnancies. Birth control fails. 
passions supersede logic. And I can pretty much guarantee that some of the very same high-profile religious and political people who stood so astutely on the moral high ground to condemn legalized abortions will be the very ones who pay to send their partner to another country in secret to have an abortion. I'm going to delve into some religious territory here because the issue of abortion is tied very closely to religious beliefs. And when I think about how Jesus was condemned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees for healing on the Sabbath, he flat out broke the law of Moses. He did. He performed an illegal act by healing on the Sabbath day. And his answer to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who condemned him for that was, who of you, when your ox has fallen into the mire, won't go out on the Sabbath to save the ox? What if socially, in regards to the issue of abortion, our ox is in the mire here? Because it doesn't feel Christ-like to me to condemn, judge, and further lay burdens upon the women who are already living very much in the mire of society. Having a baby alters the trajectory of a woman's life and directly impacts her ability to participate and contribute in society. And a woman always always puts her own life at risk when she's pregnant. There is no guarantee what is going to happen to her in the course of carrying a baby and trying to bring a human being to life. So when a woman chooses to risk her life for another, it's courageous. But when a woman is forced to risk her life for another, that's oppression. And so where this takes me in my thinking is that if I want to live in a world without abortion, making abortion illegal is not going to create that world. With illegal abortion, people with money and resources will continue to have abortions. The only impact from illegalizing abortion is that the burden of the law falls onto the poor class and minorities those without status and without resources. And so I have to honestly ask myself, if I am voting to outlaw abortion in order to feel better about myself, my own worthiness, but as a result, punish and oppress the least of these, then am I really being religious? Does that make sense? And again, I am not saying that I am right or that these thoughts are right or even that they're fully formed in my mind. They're just the things that I think about. And I'll finish with this one other set of thoughts that I've had about the issue. And that is about government legislating family life. Roe v. Wade exists because the Supreme Court voted that illegalizing abortion violated not the right to life, but the 14th Amendment right to privacy. That the government does not have the right to literally barge into 
our bedrooms, that how we live as families, you know, in our marriages, if we want to have children, not have children, that the 14th Amendment protects the privacy of that. And there is a lot about that that feels right to me. Abortion is always an emotional issue. Also, pregnancy and childbirth always limit a woman's ability to pursue education and progress in career unless she has immense support. Just the fact of growing a human in the body, the physical demands, the physical risks, the physical complications, not to mention the emotional risks, demands, and complications of that, giving birth, and then being responsible for the life of that child is an enormous burden largely carried by women unless she has immense outside support. And so I think for me, why I feel that it is a personal issue, not a government issue, is because I believe that there's a partnership that happens between a woman and God in the creation of life. And I believe that God is aware of complex situations and the choices that women face. And to me, it feels right that that partnership should remain between God and the woman without government intervention. Now, please don't misunderstand that I am saying that a man never has a say, that he shouldn't have a say in what happens to his offspring, because I absolutely do. That just opens an entirely other discussion that it's probably too much to get into today. So just for the sake of today's conversation and so that we can get through this discussion in any reasonable amount of time, I'm just going to stick with the woman point of view here. I also personally believe that God has the power to send spirits, consciousnesses, intelligences, however you want to explain what human life is outside of the physical body. I believe God has the power to allow those spirits and intelligences to enter other bodies if their body was terminated early, whether by natural causes or, or by intentional causes. Now, that's not a religious doctrine that I've found in any religion, not even my own. It's definitely just a personal thing that I don't think a spirit and intelligence has one shot at a body. I just think God is bigger than that. I don't believe in a God who will damn women who find themselves in impossible situations. And one of the reasons I do believe this is because as a missionary for my church, I taught women who had had abortion or abortions, and they were all able to be baptized, which in my church to be baptized is a process of repentance and forgiveness. And to be baptized is a symbol of being completely forgiven and beginning a new life. 
And because of those experiences for me, which were incredibly spiritual experiences and opportunities that I had to feel the immense love and grace of God, I believe in a merciful, all-knowing, all-compassionate Lord of the universe who understands the complexities of choices and who is both just and merciful. I also don't believe it is our job as humans to govern on every issue. I believe in a separation of church and state. I also believe in the importance of agency, the power and ability for people to make choices for themselves is going to be more important in their growth and experience than being compelled to behave in any certain way. I don't believe that God condemns women who are stuck in impossibly difficult situations, and I don't believe our government should condemn them either. Personally, I am pro-life. Empathetically, I am pro-allowing women to have freedom to make complex personal decisions. I trust women to make the best decision that they can to try to improve life for herself and for her generations to follow. And sometimes that effort requires very tough choices, which are not mine to make for her. I also believe, and maybe this is as much a hope as a belief, but I believe that if we want a world without abortions, the best way to get there is to give women power to choose and to support them in becoming decision makers of their lives and their bodies. And for me, this is why the power word of today's episode is empathy. And if you take nothing else away from today's episode, you can take empathy. Take that word empathy, carry it in your hearts, in your mind, in your thoughts when you come upon complex situations that you face this week. And that's my hope, that empathy will power your perspective this week. And I want to finish by saying thank you. Thank you for being here with me today as I verbalized for the first time a lot of my own thoughts and feelings and confusions on this often uncomfortable and important topic. This is Malia Warner. Thank you for being here today. As always, 